Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. I'm so honored you took the time to listen today. I pray that each episode is a blessing to you. And if it is, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Faithful Podcast. You should also check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, as well as his brand new album, The Wanderer, which was released on January 7th. You are going to love it. This is part two of my interview with Jim Subers. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you should do that now. Jim has served as a missionary in Japan, pastored a church, and ran nonprofit organizations. He's also the father of my dear friend, Joy Meadows, from episodes nine and 10. He shares about some difficult experiences that he's gone through and how he's seen God do some incredible things. He also shares about the importance for Christians to finish strong. So here is part two of my interview with Jim Subers. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about some experiences you had on the mission field when you were trying to distribute some Bibles? Well, yeah, probably the most dramatic story I can tell you is, is uh, when I was, right after the Tiananmen Square massacre, I, was, uh, I went into China on a Bible smuggling mission. Mm. Um, I worked with a guy, and he'll remain nameless right now just because I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. The mm-hmm. Chinese... I don't know what they'll do. I may yeah. be blacklisted myself, but mm. but the the in those days it was a little easier to get into China. They didn't have facial rec- recognition technology everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now with technology, uh, I'd love to hear some modern, more modern mission stories over the last ten years. But but this was uh, in the nineties. I I uh, my my job was to take. Two big bags full of Bibles in a bus from Simsatsui, which is Hong Kong, to Guangzhou, which is the border town to Hong Kong uh, in uh, in China. And so I'm on the bus. I'm the only uh, foreigner on the bus. A bunch I'm of sure Chinese. you stood out pretty well, too. I, yeah, I, You're it, a good head taller than probably the majority of the population. So the instructions I was given by, by, uh, by the guy that gave me the Bibles was, here's the Here's the uh, the guest house where you take the Bibles, where you drop them off, and your only instruction is just don't let the security guards look in your and the customs officials look in your bags. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, how, what do you mean, don't let them? How how do I not let them look in the bag?" He said, "That's just your instruction. Don't let them." Go. <laughs> so I said, "Okay." And so I'm on the bus. I get off the bus, and I got these two bags. And if you've ever seen anybody carrying a bag of books, it's clearly they got something right. heavy. And so I'm clearly weighted down with stuff. Yeah. We get off the bus and we go into the customs house where you got to clear customs and then then you go, they, they stamp your passport and you get into China. Um, so I uh, go into this room and it's this one big room with these long tables set up in a single file with um, customs officials on one side, going through every bag and everybody's in a single file line, and on the other side of the table are all the the uh, 
the officials with the security officials, the what would be the public security people, the police, whatever they were. And uh, and I, I get in this line, I'm in this line, and everybody's putting their bag on the table, and every bag's getting open, and I'm going, God, what am I going to do? Mm. And we're, I'm edging slowly, closer and closer to these tables. God, help me. Tell me what I'm, I'm going to do. And about that time, in, I feel a hand on my shoulder pull me out of line. But it, I had the sense this is not a physical hand. And I got goosebumps all over me. I mean, it just immediately just like mm-hmm. goosebumps. Like, yeah. You know how you just feel like you get this wave of cold that just hits you? Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Whoa! Yeah. And so I, I step out of line, and then that hand moves to the back of my, the middle of my back and pushes me forward. And I, I just start walking towards the doors. So on the left side of me, I'm walking by everybody that I'm in line with mm. and all the customs officials. And on the right side of me are all the police. Gosh. And I'm walking and I'm waiting to hear this whistle with the police whistle yeah. and the scream or to get tackled or something. But I'm walking step by step by step by step. The door is getting closer and closer. I'm beginning to shake. I put my hand on the door. I open the door and I walk out and I'm in China. The door closes <laughs> behind me. And I go, Same. I'm shaking. I'm literally okay. shaking. I go, whoa, 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 what just happened? <clears throat> now, if you ask me today, did God make you invisible? What did he do? I don't know. Yeah. All I know is he pulled me out of line and got me out the door with those Bibles. Right. And I can't wait till the day I'm in heaven and I get to hear the story of where every one of those Bibles went. Yeah. I came away from that incident saying, man, God cares deeply about getting his word to mm. people. And I've been, in, I've been in villages in China where they've got one page of one Bible that's passed around from house to house. One page. And, and most of us in America, we got a dozen Bibles in our homes. Right. One page of one Bible in many of those homes. It's, uh, and, so, and that's the way it is in many parts of the world. And so I, that's... Now, I didn't know at that point that 10 years later, I was going to be leading a ministry doing audio Bible distribution around the world. Mm-hmm. But that's when that, those incidences in China, and there's others, I began to see God's passion to get his word to people. Right. Because God's word sets, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. And, I mean, Western culture, it was the development of the Gutenberg Press that uh, got the word of God into the language of the common man, the literate world, Mm -hmm. which was the Western world. It had to happen to the literate world. That's what changed. That's why the West is the West today. Right. Now, unfortunately, there's a massive cultural assault on us where they're trying to take all that progress of, of Western civilization away. But the reality, it was the, that was the beginning of the reformation and the change that happened uh, in in Western culture that brought us kind of the kind of freedoms that we have today. Right. It's because of the Word of God. And now we're beginning to get that kind of same freedom to to some of the poorest parts of the globe through electronic means, through audio technology. <clears throat> There's a similar story in China where I, uh, I, I went back on, an, I was on, this was on another business trip 
I typically would, would do a couple weeks of business and I'd take a week to do mission work. And so I did, I went back another time where I went, they had me go on the train from, mm. from Hong Kong to China. This time I got off the train with two giant bags. My only instruction was whatever you do, don't put your bags on the x-ray machine. And once, but now I've already had a good, a good experience, but you know how we people are. We, even though God's done something for us once, it's God, will you do it again? You think it might have just been a fluke yeah, the first are, time are you, or something? Are you going to do it again, right? really? Are you going to do it again? still good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, but I'd already had one just miraculous experience, and now I'm excited for the, uh, how are you going to do it this time? So I get off the train, and there is a mass of humanity. I mean, there's, mm. there's literally thousands of people getting off this train and going through uh, and there must have been a dozen or more X-ray machines, mm-hmm. and everybody getting off the train, and they just immediately go to an, go to one of these uh, customs uh, lines, and I I get off the train. And I say, God, which line do you want me in? And I'm thinking, if I stand here and look too long, it's going to really make me obvious. First of all, I didn't see any other for it. There probably were others, but I didn't mm-hmm. see any others. It right. was a mass of of black haired humanity that were smaller than me yeah. so I'm sticking out like a sore thumb so I said oh well God I'm just going to go this line here and I just went and got in line and everybody in front of me is putting their bags on the x-ray machine and is going through the x-ray machine mm-hmm. I said how am I going to get through this this I mean you got to put your bag on the machine and uh and so we're moving closer I'm praying under my breath God deliver me get these bags through need an answer as soon as I put my bags on the moving belt, they're just getting ready to go into the machine. Mm-hmm. A massive commotion started behind the customs machines and the officials. And all of all of the officials <laughs> turned. Wow. There, were, there must have been six of them in my machine. All of them turned. People are yelling and screaming. My bags go through. I walk and pick them up and walk out. It was like, it was, it, once again, I'm just shaking my head going, God, you really, you just, you just need somebody to be willing to go. Mm. I, I didn't do the miracle. Right. I just was the vessel to, to carry the stuff. Right. God wanted to get his word to his people. And yeah. so, so uh, that's another story. When I get to heaven, there's, uh, every one of those Bibles, I don't know how many of them, touched how many different families, how many mm-hmm. different people, how many different generations were impacted as a result. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to get to hear those stories. Yeah. So. Kind of like a Christian Jason Bourne, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there was another time in China that I went in where this time it was an evangelistic. I, I felt like God told me to go to a city called Chengdu, which is in central China. When you, it's Sichuan province, which we know as the spicy food, mm-hmm. you know, spicy Chinese food. So I flew into Sichuan after a business trip, and I, I said, all right, God, where do you want me? And I, I got a tourist map of the city, and I found out where the nearest university, big university was. And there was one called Ch- Ch- Chengdu Medical University. It's the, where all the doctors were trained in Sichuan province. So... I just got me a hotel room at Chengdu at the near near the medical university and walked over. 
saw a bunch of guys playing basketball. So I said, what the heck? I went back to my hotel room, got my gym shorts on and went over there and started playing bat. They invited the big American in yeah. to play basketball. <laughs> Wasn't very good, but I was, but I was big. You reach a little higher <laughs> yeah. than them. Yeah. So, but that was the opportunity to build a relationship. They had me come up to their room afterwards. So there's seven of these Chinese guys and, uh, and me, and I, they say, why are you here? Why are you in China? I say, well, I'm actually here because I found the secret to life. Mm. Changed my life. You want to know about it? I said, yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about it. So I started telling them about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, got, uh, I got little boys into it, and I said, now, how many of you guys are Communist Party members? Three of the guys raised their hand. Mm. I said, I don't want to get any of you in trouble because you're all probably going to get questioned after having, having met with this foreigner. Anybody that wants to know more about what I've just told you, I'm going to walk out of the room right now and you, you come out and talk to me and I'll, we'll talk. Mm. So I left the room. Three guys came out. Um, I said, okay, this is the thing. I'm going to go back to my hotel and in one hour, I want to see you guys walk by the hotel. Don't look at me, but I'll watch for you. And, and I'm going to follow you about 50 yards behind you. And you guys find a place where we can talk privately. And when you turn into that place, I'll follow you in there. And then we'll go and I'll tell you more about these things that I've talked about. Mm -hmm. So I took, my, I took my Bible and I waited in front of my hotel. And they walked, they walked by an hour later as we planned. They went up to down the street to a, to a restaurant, up the second floor restaurant of a little street, street shop. We had our own private table there, and I took the Word of God and just began to tell them all about Jesus. Mm. And, and uh, um, they were hungry. Right. They wanted to know about Jesus. And uh, all three of them prayed to receive Jesus Christ. They asked me to give them Christian names all this first day. Wow. And then I said, guys, in the morning, the Chinese Public Security Bureau is going to post a... Um, an officer to follow me. If you want to get baptized, we need to do it tonight. How did you know there was going to be somebody? Well, because in those days, that's what the Chinese did. They, oh, okay. they knew every foreigner that was coming into every, each one of these towns. They wanted to know what they were doing, who they were meeting with, and they were they would post somebody to follow them. Wow. So I didn't want to put these kids at risk, so I had to get everything done that first night. So it took them up. The, I went up to the hotel room. They followed, gave them a key, they followed, came up to my room uh, by, without me, so it wasn't obvious that they were with a foreigner. And uh, I baptized them in the hotel bathtub that night. That's awesome. And then I said, guys, I gotta leave in the morning. I don't want to put you at risk. I gave them each a Bible, and I told them, went through the basics of prayer and, and fellowship and, and worship, and mm -hmm. said, I'll, I'll try to come back in three to six months and try to figure out how to make contact with you. And, uh, and, uh, and left. Mm. I, I think it was four or five months later, I was able to go back to Chengdu. And I went back to that same room. None of those kids were there. None of the, none of the initial seven were there. They'd all moved rooms. Mm. And I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding. I've come all the way back to China, and they're not even there? Mm. I get back to my ho hotel room and I'm just discouraged. And the phone rings. It's one of the kids 
who I had renamed Luke. Uh-huh. Jim, God shows me in a dream last night that you come back to China. Wow. Can we meet? <laughs> uh, I mean, you That's want that. It's another goosebump experience. Yeah. Goosebumps. That's incredible. Goosebumping. So, so I said, yeah, let's. I'm at the same hotel. Let's meet at that same restaurant. So go get Philip and Andrew as well. So it's Luke, Philip, and Andrew. So mm-hmm. you get Philip and Andrew as well. And so the three, that's obviously not their Chinese names. That was right. their American names I give them. Their Christian names. So we uh, we go back to the the uh, to the room and just had beautiful fellowship. But one of the things I noticed was, I mean, they had been meeting regularly. They'd been reading the Bible together. They'd been praying together. Wow. They'd been gathering with other believers together. They'd found another group of believers to meet with. But I also noticed they weren't smoking anymore. Mm. I said, hey, tell me, guys, how come you're not smoking anymore? Because I didn't mention anything about don't smoke, don't right. drink. I didn't put any of that American religion on them. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just noticed they weren't anymore. They said, oh... Holy Spirit told us to stop. Wow. <laughs> I thought, I mean, this is, this is the way the church is supposed to operate, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you teach people to trust God, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to do what he says, mm-hmm. and they're doing it. And, and uh, so that was, to me, that was an awesome, my, uh, my experiences in China were very, very rewarding because it was very different from Japan. Right. Japan was very hard spiritually. It was mm-hmm. very tough. I mean, we had some wonderful fruit there, but it, each for each person that we shared Jesus with, uh, there were a, a hundred totally rejected, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it would take a, a year or more of hard work before somebody would really open their heart. It was just very, very... And yeah. so... You begin to think you're a lousy, you're lousy at the gospel, or lousy minister, or lousy. Um, and God let me go to China to see Him work, and uh, to see, uh, you know, it really is about obedience. It's not about our ability. It's about His ability. That's awesome, and I, I think it's kind of maybe an indictment on American church culture that we we aren't even willing to try those scary things and. You know, listen for God to say those things. We just immediately discount it because I'm sure every. I mean, people have maybe they aren't as comfortable saying that they're hearing from God. Maybe it's something that they they just have maybe an impression I should do this kind of thing. And I don't know if this is from is this from God or is this from me or whatever. But like learning to hear God's voice and being obedient is where we experience things that are transformational. I mean, with how difficult it is to or especially, you know, still is or was then to be a follower of Jesus mm. in a culture that's that's totally trying to just squash the gospel. I think that there is there's that question, why why do we need to get rid of this? You know, like by the mm. by the Chinese, why is this such a dangerous thing? Mm. And there's a little bit of more curiosity rather than in America where certain cities you live, you can kind of assume almost everybody around you at least in a nominal sense, would call themselves like a Christian. And mm. it, this, and if, that, if they all look like me, what's different you know, about mm. them? So I think in places where it's forbidden, there are, there's a hunger for it. And it's, there's this desire for it. And, you know. Certainly the case I found in India right. and in China. Uh, in fact, when I was meeting with one of the house church leaders, an underground church leader in, in China, one of the things he told me was, 
uh, don't pray for persecution to stop. Yeah. Because are the real the real danger in our culture is what materialism and kind of the wealth uh, in the Chinese economy has done in terms of robbing people of their hunger for spiritual faith. Mm -hmm. and, and basically, Paul talked about that, right? He, we see it throughout Scripture. The desire for other things, right, is becomes the, rather than the desire for Jesus and the desire for pleasing God. You know, we, we, the Bible says we got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Mm -hmm. And all, any one of the three can take you out. Right. And all three are working to take you out. Mm -hmm. And you got to know how to fight against all three. Mm -hmm. and, and most Christians are doing a very poor job of fighting all three. Right. Some can fight one, but most don't realize how significant the culture is affecting their walk with God, right. their ability to know God and love God. And, and uh, most of us understand how our flesh, our own sinful desires, are influencing our walk with God. But the de most people completely ignore what the devil's doing. Right. And those three are all at work mm. against you. Well, um, since you, are, you were describing all that, so what helps you when you're um, going through difficult stuff to remain faithful to God? What are some maybe from a practical standpoint or a biblical standpoint? Well, obviously, um, the acknowledgement and the remembering that uh, God is for me. And the Bible says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Right. Recognizing him in a spiritual battle and that my war is not with God. I have a battle. And the battle is with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay. It's not with God. The Bible says we've got a very real enemy, and Jesus called him the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. He, the way the accuser works, he accuses our own heart to ourself. Yeah, you're stupid, you're a jerk, you're, mm -hmm. you're a failure, you're never going to make it. He gets you to believe these lies about yourself. He accuses God to you, oh, God doesn't care, God doesn't love you, you can't trust God, you, you're forgotten, he's, he's not present, he's not going to... He's not going to listen. Uh, he doesn't love you for some reason or because you've sinned or something. He's not going to answer. Or he accuses others to you. They hate you. They don't care. That's how he works. When you hear the voice of accusation in your head, that should be a clear signal to you. The enemy is at work. Mm -hmm. Stop listening to him. The Bible right. says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We, we have to... Let our mind be renewed by the washing of the water of the word. There has to be a concerted effort to, to control your thoughts. And that happens only by the, the, the planting the word of God in your heart and mind. Right. You can't do that in your own willpower. You've got to recognize, you got to rec learn to recognize the voice of the enemy in the same way you learn to recognize the voice of God. Um, and then it's remembering the character of God. Right. Uh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God's not your enemy. Right. Look at Jesus. God loves you. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the exact representation of his nature. Yeah. You can trust him. Mm -hmm. You may not understand what's happening and how it happened and why it's happening to you, but don't point your finger at God. He's for you. Mm -hmm. He's not the one that's against you. You've got another enemy who's against you and wants to use that suffering or that trial to take you out. 
And uh, something that Peter said, if you remember the story, there's a story in the scripture where um, Jesus said some very hard things. He, he was talking to a bunch of disciples and he said, look guys, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood to be my disciple. Yeah. And he didn't explain that. Yeah. He just kind of let it hang out there. Mm-hmm. And most of the disciples that were following him turned and left. They said, this is too hard. Who can bear it? And they yeah. left. Now, you think about a modern preacher today who says something that's hard to understand. He said, now, don't get too upset. Let me explain what I'm meaning. You know? Right. Jesus didn't do that. Sometimes Jesus will offend the mind to reveal the heart. Right. He will... He will say things to us to expose our hearts. But Peter's response in that whole scenario was really awesome. Jesus looks over at Peter and says, so are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where else am I going to go? Right. You alone have the words of life. Mm. And ultimately, that's my response. Right. Jesus, I don't understand what's happened here. I don't understand how I got here. I don't know why this is happening. I don't have to know because I trust your character. And where else am I going to go? You alone have the words of life. Now, you cannot really say that until you have begun the process of developing intimacy with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That has to be the priority of life. Is Then when the trials come, you can put your trust in him. That's really, really good. Um, there's so much encouragement in that that... And I think speaks to a lot of people that, you know, we we may go through, di- or we will go through difficult times, but there's, everyone else has basically let us down at some point. You know, men are going to fail us, and but God is faithful. Amen. And God, you know, is always at work. Even when we think he doesn't, he doesn't care about us, he never says, oh, you don't, you don't care about me anymore? Let's see how you like this away from me. He doesn't do that. He just keeps pursuing and keeps loving and showing revealing how this thing that you thought would never be good can actually have something good come from it and um and i think you know i I keep looking at like you know worldly relationships we have like a marriage we know that if we know with our spouse we're going to have difficult days but there's a there's a commitment there's a you know a faithful relationship that you can count on and even the world's best spouse (laughs) pales in comparison to the relationship that Jesus desires with us. And I think that's really important. Or, or looking at it from a parent-child relationship, you know, we, we know that our kids are going to mess up. And, you know, I tell my kids this all the time. I mean, especially, you know, through adoption. It's, you know, we, our family grew through adoption. And um, I think kids, especially from that, have a lot of issues with trust and faithfulness and understanding that and all of our relationships from our earthly standpoint are projected onto God Hmm. but trying to remind them that like you know we you're going to do things that are going to hurt me and I I say this explicitly to my kids I know you're going to hurt me and I know that I'm going to cry many tears over things that happen with you and it's because I care so much about you and because I want something so much better for you but I'm never going to stop loving you Hmm. and that's exactly what what God says to us, I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm never going to mm-hmm. stop caring about you. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to force you always to, to do these things because it has to come from your heart. But I think that's really, really important is to understand that relationship and to keep coming back to that. And that 
he doesn't leave us or forsake us. And so, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I know there's a lot that we talked about ahead of time that we wanted to get to, but um, I'm going to kind of shift a little bit. But um, I want you to tell us maybe what you've been working on lately. Okay. Um, well, I left the position that I had in June mm -hmm. um, with the residential care facility. Felt like God was calling Janice and I to a sabbatical time, which we've never had. Wow! And so we have been we have been uh, enjoying some time to rest, to reflect, to write. I'm I'm working on a actually a book for my grandsons um, that will be a kind of the legacy of the family, kind of God stories of what of what God has done in and through our lives. So That's that so, cool. <laughs> so that when they as they become adults themselves and they have kids and grandkids that they can continue it. And mm -hmm. this is kind of the legacy of our family of, of that, that, uh, um, if we don't, if we, if we fail to remember and tell mm -hmm. the stories, they're forgotten. Right. And, uh, and I just know that, uh, we've got a rich history of God's interaction in our, in our family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, my hope is that each of my grandsons will, you know, have a double portion of anointing and, and mm -hmm. seeing mm -hmm. the work and the favor and the blessing of God in their lives. And if if our story and our journey can be part of laying a foundation for them, then so be it. So I, before that stuff is forgotten, uh, I want to get it written down. So we're taking a season to do that. That's and then, so cool. And then what's next? We don't know. We mm. just know it'll be exciting. You know, yeah. we've been on a we've been on a pretty wild ride for forty years, right. and uh, this next chapter um, is uh, uh, I figure we've got another quarter of our life left, mm -hmm. effective ministry, and we want to make it useful. So we're we're beginning to seek God about what's next, but don't really know what that is yet. That's so cool. I mean, there's a lot of people that. You know, and there's there's nothing wrong with this, but like, you know, you have your job, you stay there for, you know, forever, and you just punch in, punch out, and that's, you go home and you only worry about your family, which is important. None of these things are bad, but like, I think it's great that over all of this time, you've been very much a family man, but you also have been a father to so many others, mm. and um, I think that's so important for us to know that, like, I mean, we have to take care of our family. That's right. that's pretty essential, but that doesn't mean that we can't invest in others. And that doesn't exclude those kind of relationships. And it's really important for our kids to see that while they're super special to us, they're not really the center of our universe. God is the center of our universe. And what is God calling us to do? And well, I, I thank you for that. I, yeah. I would say that... Um, Probably my my proudest accomplishment as a dad is that I've got four adult kids that love Jesus, love us, and love mm. each other. Yeah. Um, and but it's pretty I, rare. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it has to do with the fact that we, for a lot of reasons, one is we've been pretty honest with them mm. and uh, about both the reality of life and the struggles of of loving Jesus, but they don't doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. And and uh, because they've seen the reality of God in in our lives right. 
through this through the things God's done, the experiences we've had, and so there's not really a question: Is God really real? It's he's, right. it's not just a religious experience. We're just not Christians that go to church on Sunday. We are followers of a real person, Jesus, mm-hmm. that wants a relationship, wants to interact with us, and does. Mm-hmm. And so I don't. I think if you ask all my kids, there's no question in their mind that, that Jesus is very real. And uh, and so, so I'm most grateful, most grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one more thing I want you to talk to us about, and we were talking yesterday about finishing strong. Mm. And I think that that's. Um, I read a Francis Chan book over the summer. Um, I think it was called like you and me forever or something it was supposed to be as a marriage book but not like any marriage book i've ever mm. read because it was basically are we are on a mission we have a job our marriage is a part of that but if things get we don't our marriage isn't going to look like other marriages mm. because jesus is the center and right. you know this is even with all the relationships so i think it's important um as you've been through so many different types of work and so many different types of ministry that a lot of people you know, and you're, you know, you got grandkids, you got all this. This could be the end of ministry hmm. for some people. They're like, I've done my good part. I've fought the good fight. But like you said, there's still, we don't know how many days we have left. And we're hoping we have plenty of time to honor God with that. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about why, what finishing strong means for you. Well, I've had a prayer for my whole adult life. God, let my end be greater than my beginning. Hmm. Uh, to me... Our spiritual maturity, our influence, our wisdom, our effectiveness, our authority, all those things should increase over the course of a life. Right. And, and uh, you know, in our, in our culture, we put people after, out to pasture at 65 and, mm-hmm. and uh, say it's over. But that's not the way it works in the spiritual world, right. in the kingdom. I mean, and so, so um, I, was, I woke up the, a couple mornings ago. And the, as I was waking up, the scripture that was on my mind was, I think it was Acts chapter 9, Paul is, is saying, um, no, it wasn't Acts 9. Um, he, uh, that was another scripture I was thinking. Second Timothy, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. I thought, what is it, what's he talking about when he's saying, I kept the faith? A couple mm-hmm. verses later, he talks about Demas having left him because he loved this life and uh, was reflecting on that. And over the course of his life, here's a guy who'd suffered greatly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Ananias, when he went to get Paul's vision back and, and to baptize him, Ananias said, the Lord told him, or the angel of the Lord told him, he said, I'm going to show him how much he's going to have to suffer for my namesake. Right. And so Paul, if you read his story, right, he went through beatings and imprisonments, and he was stoned mm-hmm. to death, raised from the dead. I mean, he went through shipwrecks and and uh, snake. I mean, you name it. He he faced it. Criticism. Mm-hmm. He was chased from town to town, and uh, and it, it, he says, "My life's about to be poured out." This is the end of his life. He's t- talking to Timothy. The end of his life. He says, "I have." fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Unfortunately, I think all of us have seen a lot of people who, over the course of life, life's beat them up. Mm-hmm. The things they've gone through has got them angry at God, yeah. 
has got him discouraged, has got him embittered at the church because of things that have happened to him, abuse or rejection or betrayal mm-hmm. or in a myriad of things. And and uh, they they haven't kept the faith. Mm. At the end of their lives, they're, they're just beat up and worn out and mad and angry and bitter. Mm. And I... It scares the bunch out of me that, that that could happen. But I recognize that and have recognized that you have got to take a position every day to guard your heart. Right. You've got to take a position every day to receive the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment that he gives to live life with God's life in you and his power and his authority and his anointing because you have a very real enemy who has had thousands of years of practice of how to take out somebody, how to how to go after their heart, to just fill it with discouragement, fill it with bitterness, fill it with anger, fill it with hopelessness, fill it with resignation. Whatever he's going to use, the enemy will do it mm. if you let him. If you open the door for him to do that to your heart, he'll do it. But Jesus is there ready, ready to give you hope again, ready to give you encouragement again, ready to fill you with his spirit again so that you can keep the faith. Mm. But you've got to position yourself and to know how to fight against the devices of the enemy. And Paul is, is he talks about it a lot, right? I mean, he, he uh, talked about the weapons of our warfare. He talked about spiritual warfare. And... Uh, But unfortunately, a lot of people don't make it that way. Steve Farrar wrote the book, Finish Strong, which I read while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And it really, it kind of was the foundation of my thinking on this area because he talked about how he he was in a class in seminary and professor said, most of you guys in here aren't going to finish strong. Mm -hmm. And uh, statistically, you won't. And he he didn't believe his professor because he knew the guys that were sitting with him, they were full of them and vigor and anointing, and he knew they were going to change the world for Jesus. And one by one, he watched his friends uh, kind of give up the faith or mm-hmm. or get lukewarm or quit or whatever. Right. And uh, and I read that book, and I, I said, God, don't let that happen to me. So I started kind of with a holy fear. I still have it today mm-hmm. because there's a battle. There's right. a battle for all of our hearts. And take heed... Take heed to your heart, right? Right. We have to guard over our hearts. That's where the warfare is for our hearts. And and so the good news is greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We don't have to fear the enemy is going to take us out. As long as we are pursuing him, we can can have confidence that we are going to uh, keep the faith, that we're not going to be one of the statistics. But uh, but you have to you have to have an awareness that you're in a spiritual battle, and you have to have a position to get up every day, ready to fight the battle for your mind and the battle for your heart. That's so encouraging for um, and challenging at the same time for each one of us. And I'm, I mean, we're at very different stages in our life, and people listening, you know, they could from range in all different ages. But you know, until until we're gone, we haven't finished yet. And there's, right. there's work to be done. And, um, you know, we can be a blessing to the people around us and we can share the gospel as we're going. And there's 
there's not a certain age that Jesus says beyond this, I don't have anything else for you. Good job, you're done. You can sit back on the beach now and just enjoy life. Um, well, that sounds fantastic. I don't think that that's what God had in mind for us. And um, I just, I really appreciate you sharing so much. And I think it's really encouraging for people to hear and um, to hear that your passion has, has grown over the years rather than than been stifled or um, started to, to go out. Your passion has grown. The more that you've followed Jesus, the more that you've seen of what he can do. And it takes those little steps at first and and then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, those are easier. Mm-hmm. And then he calls you to something so much bigger, something that, you know, at the end of your life, you're going to look back on those scary, the scariest moments is probably some of your best moments mm-hmm. and where you saw God so near and so real to you. And I, I just hope that the people, um, folks that are listening appreciate that and that they feel encouraged in that because it is little by little, you should put your trust and with those little things he calls you to, he gives you so much more. Amen. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Can we pray for everybody listening? That would be great. Let's pray. Yeah. Gracious Heavenly Father, we we come to you and we thank you for each person that's uh, just in your wisdom have allowed them to listen to this podcast. And Holy Spirit, we know that there's so many things we touched on that... that uh, probably very different touch points for each person listening. Mm. But God, we we know you care deeply about each and every one. And so I ask God, whatever battle, whatever struggle, whatever trial that uh, that those that are listening to this today, that they would they cast their care over onto you now. Mm. Uh, God, they would see you as the good father that you are. You know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I would say to you today, if you're struggling with any question about the goodness of God, I would say he is so much better than you could imagine. So much more lovely, so, so much more kind, so much more faithful. Look at Jesus. Don't look at your circumstances. Look at Jesus. He's faithful. You can trust him. And put your trust in Him, and no matter what you're facing today, uh, He can bring glory out of it. He can bring good through it, and He can bring you through it. If you'll put your hand in His hand, if you'll say, Jesus, get in my boat. I need to get safely to the other side. I don't know how I got here, but get me to the other side. He is faithful. He'll do it. You've got to take the step to just say, Jesus, help. You are a very present help in time of trouble, Father. And so be that very present help to each that are listening today. And God, we ask for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit for each one, that they wouldn't try to do this in their own strength, but they'd rely on you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd fill each one that's listening now. They would put their trust in you in a fresh way today to know that you are faithful, you are good, you are not the enemy. And uh, we take authority over the enemy that is come against each one. We say, no, we rebuke you and we rebuke your hands off your schemes and your devices. And we say, no weapon formed against these ones that are listening will prosper in Jesus' name. God, we ask that the purposes and the destiny for which each one of these that are listening were created would be fulfilled and that they would accomplish 
the purposes you have for their lives. The enemy would not thwart what God has planned. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God for His faithfulness. I pray that for each one of us, our end is better than our beginning and that we finish strong. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. I pray that it was a blessing to you, and I pray that you remember to stay faithful, friends.